0: Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Amen. Awesome. Well, welcome again and good morning, everyone. Blessing to be with you again today. And thank you so much for coming and sharing your time with us this morning. And uh, likewise, we want to welcome you if you're joining us online this morning. And uh, and just tuning in. You know, it's such a joy to come and and just gather together as God's people. And just spend time in his presence. And and uh, there's a thing that God does corporately in our midst that, that doesn't happen in your own personal time. Yes, you know, it's not that you don't meet with God, I know, in your personal time. But there's something that can happen in the corporate setting of God's people and sharing with one another. And so uh, what a blessing it is to to be here and spend this time with you today. Father, I just pray that uh, as we come and look into your word this morning, that, God, that you will speak to our hearts as only you can. God, I'm just here uh, as a mouthpiece, and I've had people call me that before. Lord, that you would just come, and, Father God, just be the breath that people have. God, as we sang in that song, Father God, may you just come and cause the redeemed to prophesy and sing. God, with our lives, with our voices for you. And so we just give you the praise and the glory here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to I talk to you on the prophetic voice of your testimony, the prophetic voice of your testimony. You know, your life is prophetic, and there's nothing that you can do to change that. Your life is prophetic. Your life is declaring something. Your life is speaking something into the future. And the only thing you can change is what you're prophesying, is what you're speaking, whether it's good or bad, right? Whether it's positive or negative. And, you know, when you look at your life, when others look at your life, you know what? What are they seeing that you're prophesying by the way that you live and by the words that you speak? You know, I want to read this morning a, a very odd story, actually, uh, out of 1 Kings chapter 13, about a couple of prophets. And um, you know, this this event happened probably almost 3,000 years ago. And yet, you know, God chose to put it in his word, as odd as it seems as we read through it. But yet, it, there's so many life lessons in it. And, and there's so many places, there's so many things that you could draw out of this, but I just want to drawn a few simple points this morning. But, you know, if this story, 3,000 years later, can still speak to you and me, think about how the value of your own life speaking to other people's lives. Think about how, you know, if this story can impact you, how your life testimony can impact other people and, and bring life to them and bring purpose to their lives. So here in First uh, Kings chapter 13, Uh, Just as a preamble, uh, King Jeroboam has set up some golden calves and some worship uh, here in a town called Bethel. And, of course, it's far diverted from God's way of worship. Uh, It's far diverted from, you know, people seeking the one true and the living God. And he sets this up because he's trying to capture the heart of the people, the people that he's reigning over. And incredibly enough, uh, you know, this is the, the kingdom is now divided uh, between Judah and uh, that is is in Jerusalem and the rest of the city, King Jeroboam has come, and and the kingdom that David and Solomon reigned over has been split apart, and so he's trying to keep the hearts of the people where he is, and as a result of that, he he ends up developing this perverted form of worship, which is really an occultic uh, form of worship that he calls people to, and so. Here we have this story coming. It says, uh, starting in verse chapter 13, And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. And Jeroboam the king stood by the altar to burn incense. So he's also acting as a priest. And then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a child Josiah by name shall be born to the house of David. And on you... He shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign that same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar in Bethel, that he stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Arrest him. Then his hand which he stretched out toward him it withered so that he could not pull it back to himself and the altar also was split apart and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of god had given by the word of the lord then the king answered and said to the man of sorry then the king answered and said to the man of god please entreat the favor of the lord god and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me So the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him and came as before. Then the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half of your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread, nor drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, you shall not eat bread, you shall not drink water, nor return by the same way you came. And so he went another way and did not return by the way that he came to Bethel. Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. And they also told their father in the words which had, the prophet had spoken, and their father said to them, "Which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God had went who came from Judah." And then he said to his son, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode on it, and went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And then he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you nor go with you, Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place, for I have been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread or drink water here, nor return by going the way you came. And he said to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. So he went back with him, ate bread in his house, and drank water. Now it happened, as they sat at the table, that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back, and he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord, and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread, and drank water in the place of which the Lord had said to you, Eat no bread, and drink no water, Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. And so as the story continues to unfold, uh, the man gets up from the table, and he saddles his donkey, and he heads out, and he's not terribly far down the road, and uh, a lion comes out uh, from the woods and attacks him, and uh, it doesn't devour him, but it kills him, and he's lying there on the the road, and then the people of the town come in and say what's happened. There's this man that's dead on the road, and this old prophet uh, hears word from the townspeople and from his sons, and so he goes out and gets this man and brings him back and buries him in his own tomb. So a very strange, uh, a very strange story indeed, and I would like to pull out just a few life lessons from it. And uh, the first thing I, I want to pull out here is The responsibility. And so we have here the responsibility in this story, and then the response, and then uh, we have the reverberation. And, you know, the first lesson we have here from these two pro- prophets is that we all have a responsibility to bring a word, to bring a word that God has put in a heart, to declare something. But we also have a responsibility and an honor, you know, to live our lives in such a personal way that it reflects that message that we're bringing to people. And that's one of the main points I I want us to take from this story this morning. It's not just what we declare, but it's also how we live. It's also how we walk out our life, because it likewise is is prophesying something. And, you know, sometimes we we do the one well, right? Sometimes we're good at declaring things and saying things. And sometimes, sometimes we don't do so well at the way we live it. And then there may be some of you, maybe you're good at, at living it out, but you're not so good at being vocal about it, about speaking it about, about sharing it with those that you meet, or even letting your neighbors, you know, know what you're all about. And, and you know, God wants us to have both of those things in harmony in our lives, and, you know, the inspiration for both of those is, is to flow from the same place, to flow from the same person. You know, the inspiration that you have for what you speak in life, but also for how you live life. God doesn't want us to just draw our inspiration from the word of God uh, for what we're declaring in life, what we're prophesying in life, but, and, then, and then go out and draw from the world about how we're actually living our life. You know, being influenced, being impacted, the world by how we're living and this prophet here you know this man of God who comes from Judah he does an amazing job at declaring God's word and and we have to in spite of his downfall we have to give him credit for this is that he does an incredible job even at the risk of his own life he puts his own life in jeopardy in danger to be able to go and declare this thing right the authorities in the land, uh, and as we saw there, the king would have had him arrested, you know, had the sign not have unfolded the way that it did. So he he put his life at stake uh, in order to speak against this occultic uh, the, and perverted form of worship that was developing, that was happening in the land. And I think one of the reasons why, you know, this prophet, as we know afterwards, he he ends up leaving uh, the table of this other man, and his life is cut short. You know, he dies before his time. And, you know, God doesn't want any of us to die before our time. You know, God has things written for you and me that he wants us to walk in, that he wants us to live out. But this prophet died before his time. And I think that's because, uh, you know, when we read in 1 Corinthians um, in chapter 12 and verse 21, it says there, Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, "You cannot partake of the table of demons and of the table of the Lord right and and later in our service, right? we're going to partake of communion here. We're going to partake of the table of the Lord and and God doesn't want us coming and 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 drawing from things that are in the world, things that are actually demonically inspired, and then coming and, and seeking to take, of the table of the Lord. And so I think that's why there's a very strict thing on, on what's happening here uh, with this prophet is he comes back and he eats bread, he drinks water uh, in this place where there's an occultic uh, place of worship that's going on. And you know, he also he's also instructed by the Lord um, that he's not to return the same way that he comes when he comes to bring this message. And I think that speaks to us. You know, we find uh, in Romans chapter 1 about Paul says, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation. And he talks about us going from faith to faith. You know, God doesn't just want us living in the same faith that you have today. He wants you to go from faith to faith. He wants you increasing. He wants you to, to leave this place a different person that you came in and he wants every week uh, that you live to be a, a week where you aren't, you're not walking in the same way that you did the week before, but you're, you're walking, you, have you've, you've attained something else in God. You've taken hold of something else in God that is causing you to live your life and, and the things that you say in a, in a different way and with a greater authority, um, that, he wants you to have. And so that's why this prophet, likewise, is not to return. We have the symbolism here. He's not to return in the same way that he came. Now, what's up with this old prophet? Right? He's, he's there in Bethel. Uh, he gives an outright lie uh, to this other man of God who's come from Judah. And the scripture isn't real clear on this, but I'm, I'm going to give you two possibilities. It's, it's one or the other, maybe a mix of both. Um, but you know, I think this old prophet is old in more than just one way. He's not just old physically, I think he's old in his relationship with the Lord. I think he's lost his fire. I think he's lost his first love. And interestingly, as we read the story there, uh, and if you continue to read the story, he, a lot of what he gets, he gets secondhand from people. You know, his sons and the people come to him and tell him what happened in uh, this great sign that happened in the city. Uh, and then his sons come back after or the people from the town come and tell him how this prophet uh, was struck down by a lion on the road. And so he, he doesn't seem to get a lot from the Lord himself. And so he's, he's, he's old uh, in more way. And instead of being a voice now, he's, he's kind of become an echo. And maybe he's a little bit like the proverbial uh, frog in the pot. Where it's slowly warming up, you know, the f- and, and the water's slowly warming up, and uh, he doesn't recognize the temperature change that's going on. And, you know, that can be like us in this environment, in this culture in which we live. It's, it's easy for the culture to keep slowly changing and, and for you to just not be aware of the changes that are happening and, and take on uh, that same character. That just like we see here with King Jeroboam and this worship that he is instituting, uh, which is against the ways of God. And so, the other interesting thing about this old prophet, you know, is, is like, it's like, whoa, man, like, you're in the town. Why aren't you bringing this word? Why aren't you prophesying to these people? Why aren't you speaking out against the worship? Uh, that's going on there and and so again it's it's so easy you know for us to get impacted to get influenced and, and be afraid to speak out the word that God uh, has for us to speak out and to declare and interesting enough too he it's never refers to this uh, old prophet as being a man of God, it never refers to him as being a man of God he's an old prophet, so it is possible that he could actually uh, be involved. Maybe he's a prophet in the sense that uh, he's a prophet for King Jeroboam and for his occultic way of worship. And, um, you know, the other day I noticed a man uh, walking down the street over here, and he was he was walking along with a little bit of a limp, you know, like this. And it reminded me of the Proverbs in chapter 25 that says that, uh, you know, an unfaithful man is... Uh, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. And I'm a firm believer that God wants us to live our lives in balance. God's always wanting to bring you and me into this place of balance where what we're proclaiming, what we're saying to other people, is also what we're living. And, you know, God is always at work. Uh, to make his messenger the message. God wants you to become the message that you're declaring. And and God wants you to bring balance in that. And sometimes, some of us, you know, we can be really good in in what we do. Maybe you're in your job. Maybe you're, you know, a real expert in what you do. You've developed that skill, and and you're very effective at it. But then we go home, and in, in our home life or in our relationships, whether it's at home or other relationships that we have, we're not very good at that. We're not very good at living out uh, that part of our life, that part of our, our testimony. And, and God wants to bring balance. And sometimes uh, if that's going on, you know, in your life, and I've had it go on at times in my life, sometimes you have to draw back from your focus in that area and, and give more effort, give more uh, energy to the other area. And so maybe for some of you, you know, maybe you need to focus more. On, on being more vocal about your faith, about getting out there and sharing your faith more. And maybe for some of you, it's it's how you're living your life out, you know, in the relationships that you have uh, with people in your home or people uh, with your friends and just uh, living that out and being true uh, to the ways of God. So, you know, we're given a great responsibility to to carry this message. It's a great honor for us to be even gathered here today, and to hear the message, and to receive the message, and have the opportunity to actually go out and, and, and live the message, because there's hundreds and thousands of people out there who who don't know what you and I know, and haven't taken hold of that, haven't received that in their hearts, and you know when you when you the ingredient responsibility is. When you have a responsibility to do something, God will always give you the power to carry that responsibility out. But you have to take that. You have to want that. You have to pick that responsibility up yourself. And I really think that's what we see in the picture, if you're familiar with the story of the prophet Elijah and then Elisha. So Elisha was serving uh, Elijah and kind of being a servant for him and, and helping him uh, towards the end of his ministry. And then if you remember how Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And, and uh, Elijah said, well, if you see me being taken up, you know, to heaven, then you'll receive that, that double portion and so when Elisha is taken up in heaven, if you know it, he's taken up with his uh, chariots of fire and a whirlwind, and the mantle falls off of uh, Elijah to the ground. It doesn't fall onto Elisha. Elisha has to go and he has to pick that mantle up. He has to pick that responsibility up himself and, and walk with it. And, and when he does, you know, he's, he, he picks up the power with it. And, and, of course, he goes a little ways, and in the story there, he strikes the water, the, the Jordan River that he wants to cross, and he says, where now is the God of Elijah and the water parts? And he goes across. And so, you know, he picks up that responsibility, and you and I have to pick that up. And, and I've learned that in my journey uh, in life, is I have to want the responsibility. I have to want to pick it up. And, and, it, and it's as you do it, that the power comes with it. You know, the anointing to do what God's called you to do in life comes with it. So that's the responsibility. Next comes the response. And a great lesson that we learned here from, uh, I believe, this, this event and these two prophets is that, you know, prophets don't always live their life perfectly. Prophets don't always live their life perfectly. And I say that to you this morning because uh, that needs to be a source of encouragement for us this morning. Because, you know, we all fall short. And and as tragic in a sense as the end of this man of God, this prophet who came and proclaimed, uh, you know, this word, uh, it's still an encouragement for us. And and God obviously chose to put this in his word because God uses imperfect vessels. And, And he uses us, you know, in the place that we're at in the moment. And God wants you and me to be able to be there to speak in a person's moment of need or even a nation's moment of need. But it should never, the imperfection that we see in these prophets should never be a license or an excuse for us uh, to go after our carnal nature, to just live life in a fleshly way. It should never be an excuse uh, to do that. And so, you know, that we know this prophet falls short, and, and he goes back, Uh, In the way that he was not supposed to go back He eats the bread, he drinks the water That he's not supposed to And he partakes of something that he's not supposed to You know, Abraham, who likewise was a prophet uh, He lied to two kings That his wife was his sister Uh, David, you know He he gets involved with Bathsheba He he commits sin with another man's husband And then he even has her husband uh, killed Right? What's that? Oh, sorry, yes, another man's wife. (laughs) And so uh, that's good, that's good. You guys are catching me. You're awake. And so David, you know, he didn't live his life perfectly. Uh, Miriam, who was Moses' sister, she was a prophetess. And uh, at one point, she spoke out against Moses and his leadership, and she ends up uh, becoming leprous for a period of time, temporarily. And, And so she becomes leprous because she fell short. You know, in her life, she makes a mistake. Uh, even Moses himself, right? He he ends up striking the rock twice instead of the second time speaking to the rock to bring water out uh, for the Israelites. You know, because he's upset with him, and as a result of that, uh, Moses could not go into the promised land. So, prophets don't always live their life perfectly, and yet God uses prophets as they give themselves, and and you know. These different ones who I say fell short, whether it's David or others, uh, they went through a lot of difficulties after, and they went through those difficulties because God was using those to bring their character, to bring the way they were living life back in line with the message that they were proclaiming. And, and God, you know what? God loves you, and he loves me so much that he'll do that. He'll, he'll, he'll bring things into our life that we have to walk through uh, that enable to bring our life in line with the message that we're proclaiming. So what's this prophet's weakness? You know, this man of God, what's his weakness? Uh, because he doesn't bow to Jeroboam's calf. He doesn't, he doesn't fall for that, that way or that perverted way of worship. Uh, he doesn't even accept Jeroboam's offer of a reward after he's prayed for him. Uh, he says, you know, I don't, I don't even want If you give me half your house, I don't want it. So he's, he's not falling for material things. It's not his weakness. But he does seem to falter at the proclamation of this old prophet. He seems to falter when this man says to him, well, I, I'm a prophet just like you are. And an angel appeared to me and, and told me to tell you that you're supposed to come back with me and eat and drink with me in my house. And the whole story, as we know, it's, it's a whole fabricated story. It's, it's a lie. You know, Jesus, who was a prophet, the greatest prophet who's ever lived, ever will live, he was tempted in three areas of his life. He was tempted bodily, you know, in the desert, uh, you know, when the, when the devil came to him and said, if you're the son of God, then command this stone to become bread to try and satisfy his hunger. And then he came to him and he said, listen, jump off the temple and, and the angels of God will take you up and all the people will see, you know, uh, how amazing you are and they will worship you and they will follow you. So he was tempted in his soul. He was tempted to, to look to uh, get the recognition of men by, these, by this great act of jumping off a temple. But he doesn't give in to that temptation. Then he's tempted in his spirit. The devil says to me, you know, bow down to me and worship me, and I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth, which is one reason why Jesus actually came to earth was that he might win hearts back to himself and that he was going to rule over the nations of the earth. And so it's a temptation because the devil's saying, look, I'll give it to you. You don't have to go through the sufferings of the cross and all that hardship. I'll just give it to you if you bow down and worship me. So he's tempted in his spirit. Well, this prophet here, you know, I think he's tempted in his soul because he's looking at the credentials of man. He's looking at this man's office of being a prophet. He's looking at this man, and, oh, this angelic appearance. Oh, an angel appeared to you. And and he that seems to be a weakness in his character that he falls into. And, you know, for you and me, we should never... Let people's offices, people's callings, uh, be something that we take and go against God's word, go against you know God's ways in our life, and and be invited to do something that's not right. And and you know these these sort of things, we know they go on all the time, right? There's people who rise up, and 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 unfortunately, uh, even in the church, there's even pastors and. And they come to this place, and, and they rise to a great place of prominence. But then they can get involved, you know, in things in their life that are not good. And people will follow them, and they'll just begin to, to believe everything that they say and believe that, hey, that way of life is okay because, well, they're doing it, so it must be okay. And, you know, we can never allow that to happen in our life. And that's one of the life lessons we learn from this prophet here is don't give in to somebody else's credentials. Don't believe that that's God's way just because that person's living it. But, you know, come to the word yourself. And uh, we find an incredible scripture verse here in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1 to 3. And it says, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass. It comes to pass of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now This is an incredible verse because what this prophet uh, does, he comes and proclaims something, but he actually does a sign and it comes to pass. And, you know, I think this is going to be so pivotal and so key for so many uh, of us and people in the world as we come into these last days, you know. And uh, we know that even Jesus said in Matthew 24 that false Christs and false prophets uh, would rise up and they would perform signs that if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. And then in Revelation in chapter 19, it talks about, uh, you know the false, um, the beast, and the false prophet, who performed signs uh, in the presence of the beast to deceive many people who had received the mark. And so, we find here it's not just about you know whether something comes to pass, but also what's the person's proclamation. What God are they encouraging you to? to follow after. And that scripture verse tells us that those things happen because God is testing your heart. He's testing my heart to know, does God have your affections? Does God have your heart? And, you know, these scripture verses I just referred to, whether, you know, Jesus and Matthew and, and uh, in Revelations, you know, we don't have to fear those things. You don't have to fear being deceived if you just keep your relationship with God alive. If you just keep that relationship uh, vibrant between you and Father God, you don't have to fear that you're going to be taken in by those things. And so God wants, God wants your heart. He wants your affections. And I remember years ago uh, when I was, I was going to purchase this Honda Accord and not the one that I have now, and I know I seem to have a lot of car stories. But uh, I guess that's because uh, I read in Proverbs chapter 4, it talks about, you know, in all of your getting, get understanding. So when I'm getting something, I'm trying to, you know, learn, God, what are you saying to me? What are speaking to me? So I went to purchase this car. I did purchase this uh, Honda Accord that had a nice spoiler on the back and everything. And I really felt I had a sense a peace from the Lord um, to get that vehicle. And then the week after I got it, I started questioning it. I said, man, did I hear from you, God? Maybe I wasn't supposed to buy that. Maybe I should have got another, the other vehicle that I was looking at. Maybe I shouldn't have spent that much money on it. And, uh, you know, I was in torment for a number of weeks. And finally, after a few weeks, I, I got my peace with God back. And it was just like the Lord showed, taught me and said, Peter, you know, when I give you peace about something, hold on to it. Don't give it away. Don't start questioning it. Over and over again. Don't put your hand in the plow and look back, right? Just just keep going on to me. Just keep because because even if you made a, a mistake, you know God can teach you. God can move you on from that place. You don't you don't have to believe uh, that God is against you. And so, you know, God God was testing me that because He wanted my affections, and and He wanted me to learn to follow Him. Now here's the flip side uh, about. Four years into my faith journey, after I was born again, um, towards the end of my my time at Bible school in Toronto, uh, I got to know this girl there, and it got pretty serious, and, you know, we were talking about, you know, possible marriage, and so uh, I came to the point where I drove all the way to Windsor to ask her mom if I could have her daughter's hand in marriage. Now, her father wasn't in the picture, so that's why I wasn't talking to her father. And, uh, you know, her, her mom gladly consented. And so as I'm driving back uh, home again, I just, I start being troubled in my spirit about this direction that I've taken. I'm very distraught. I'm losing my peace. And, and I'm driving along, and I'm saying, devil, you're not going to take my peace, and you're not going to, you know, mess with my mind. And as much as I tried and I tried, I just, I just couldn't get my peace. I just could not get a breakthrough. So pi- finally, before I got back, I pull over at this gas station this was be four cell phones, and I find a, a phone booth, and I call my girlfriend, and I say, listen, this is what's going on, I'm struggling with this, and I said, it's, it's nothing about you personally, it's just something I'm wrestling with, and I said, you know, maybe we just, and she hung up the phone before I finished the sentence, <laughs> and I called her back again, and, and she listened to the rest of my story, but I just said, you know, maybe we should just tone this back a bit, and and you kind of do your thing for the summer, and and I'll do my thing. She was going off to work at one Christian camp, and I was going off to work at another Christian camp. And, um, and so anyway, it was the long and short of it was, you know, I, I finally got my peace back, and I, I ended up just, you know, breaking this relationship off. I just didn't feel that was the place to go. And th- the lesson from that is just you can't make things happen either. You know, I learned from that. I, I, can't, I can't make a relationship happen if it's not supposed to happen, and you know, as I look back on it afterwards, I didn't see it in the moment, but there were things about that relationship that that weren't in God's order, and and sometimes the calling on one person's life is different from the calling on another person's life, and it just won't jive uh, for you to walk together in, in your callings that God has on your life, and so, and so, you know, God, God wants the affections of our heart. He wants to know that we're there to love him with our heart and with all of our soul. And, um, you know, some of you may not be aware that uh, there's 11 years difference between my wife and I. And uh, so when this event unfolded for me, I was 25 years old. So that would have made my wife 14. So, you know, it wasn't just that I had to grow up you know, but I mean, I had to wait for her to grow up too, right? So, so I went through a few more processes uh, before all of that, uh, before all that happened, before I met her. But you know, I, I love my wife. Um, you know, she, she's, I, I've always felt comfortable around it. I never felt like I had to be somebody else. And that was the problem with this other relationship that I was in, is I was trying to be somebody else. You know, and I was trying to attain to something that just wasn't in the time of God. It wasn't in the work of God. And, you know, all those things prepare you and me to prophesy something out of our life in the years that are ahead of you. You know, Romans chapter 12 and 6, it says, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. You know, we all have different gifts, but it says, you know, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. And the Greek word for proportion here is it's really quite cool. And it actually means... Um, to go through a process to bring a word. Isn't that interesting? To go through a process to bring a word. You know, God, uh, that's why you have to prophesy in proportion. to That's why you have to, what you're proclaiming and what you're living has to be done as your faith is growing and as you're going through those processes and declaring those things. So we have the responsibility. We have to take it up. We have our response to that responsibility. And then there's the reverberation, which reverberation just simply, you know, when the worship team was up here, you see some of these uh, foot pedals and things that are going on, or our brother Garth back there, served so faithfully in sound booth. They put reverb sometimes on, on a sound or the note, right? There's a reverb. And so reverberation just means an ongoing effect to that note. Well, your life is going to have an ongoing effect. The the prophetic life, the life that you're living, is going to have an ongoing effect. And, you know, just like this prophet here, um, it had an effect on the people in his day. I'm sure there were some people who listened to the prophecy in that day, in that hour, and they turned away from that occultic worship that Jeroboam was trying to encourage the people of the land to fall in. And, you know, we really have to credit this man of God here. Uh, with this character trait that when he prophesies and the king puts his hand out and says to arrest him, and then the king, you know, his hand withers back, and he says, please entreat the Lord for me, and he does. He prays for the king that his hand would be restored. That's an incredible character trait when you're going out as the prophet to prophesy something, to call people back to repentance, and, and to have to show them mercy, and he shows mercy to King Jeroboam. Even though in the end of his life, Jeroboam himself never did repent. He never did turn back. And he he carried on in his occultic form of worship. But he showed mercy. And, you know, God wants that to be in you and me. And that prophetic word that's going out from our life is, you know, if you're in any kind of a conflict in, in, in your home or in some sort of a relationship, um, maybe it's even with your leaders of your nation, can you still pray for them? Can you still intercede for them? Can you still ask God to show them mercy and show them grace? Because that is such a powerful part of, of that prophetic word that you're living and declaring in your life. And so, you know, God God wants us to, to be a people whose life matches up with our mouth, God wants your life to match up with your mouth. And I think these are some of the simple things um, and and life lessons that God wants us to get through, um, you know, to us in living our lives. And, you know, God never never calls back um, or softens, you know, the gospel. God's calling people to salvation all the time. And... It's a sober reminder, and Jeroboam, for one, is a sober reminder. Not everybody responds to the message that you give. And so you just have to realize sometimes when you're living life and declaring things, uh, not everybody responds to that call of salvation. But you should never use that to water down the word of God. We should never use that to water down that word. And we see that happen. You know, we, we see that happen, unfortunately, with, again, different leaders in and, and churches and bring it down. And you know, Jesus never did that. You know, when the rich young ruler uh, came to him and he said, you know, uh, good teacher, what must I do to receive eternal life? And he said, well, go and sell everything you have and come and follow me. And it said that the, the man went away. Sorry. You know, Jesus didn't say, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know, uh, in a few months, I'm going to be having a Holy Spirit outpouring conference. Why don't you just give half right now? Just give half right now. Like he didn't soften the message, right? Right. And so we can't soften the message uh, that God wants, but we do need to soften our hearts, you know, so that we can live what God wants us to live in. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinte West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.